Hello, and welcome to episode seven of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking of starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And as always, if you want to go beyond this podcast and connect with our community of like-minded vegan entrepreneurs or get support from myself and Lisa with your vegan business, then head over to veganbusinesstribe.com where you can get loads of new free content every single week. Or you can also join in with our paid membership community to get more support from Lisa and I and also take part in our online networking or come along to our business clinics. Or I tell you what, you can just make some more friends who are running their own vegan businesses just like you are. And today I'm bringing you part one of a two-part podcast where we're going to answer a really big question and that is what's coming next? What's going to be the next big thing in vegan and what are the future trends that you should be aware of if you have a vegan business? And now I was worried that this might be too big a question for me to answer on my own. So I've pulled in the help of two people who probably know better than anyone else what's coming next in vegan. And that is Louisiana Waring, who is the Vegan Society's Insight and Commercial Policy Officer, and Dan Strettle, who isn't just the owner of Alternative Stores, and they're based at Heather Mills Plant-Based Valley, just outside of Newcastle in the UK, but he's also been vegan himself for more than five decades. So <laughs> the three of us combined, we really do cover this from all angles of what's driving the growth in the plant-based and vegan marketplace through to what's hot right now. And then also what's really going to be the next big thing in vegan. And that's both in the next 12 months, but also looking ahead to the next few years as well. Now, we recorded this discussion live as a video conference, and that was as part of VegFest UK's Summerfest Online. And in this session, you're really going to get the kind of industry insights that cost businesses thousands. And in the first half, Louisiana, Dan and myself uncover where all this demand for vegan products has come from and what's really hot right now. Then in part two, which is in the next episode, we look at what the growth areas are for vegan businesses, products and services and give our own tips for where we think the market is heading. So without any more further ado, I'll hand over to, um, well, I guess I'll hand over to myself live at Summerfest. We're here today as part of Veg UK's Summerfest Online, and we're talking about new vegan product trends. So I'm joined by two absolute experts today. So first, we've got Louisiana from the Vegan Society, and she's the Insight and Commercial Policy Officer at the Vegan Society. Hello there, Louisiana. And we've also got uh, Dan as well. And now Dan is an absolute legend in the vegan trading industry. So Dan is the owner of Alternative Stores, a successful offline and online family business. But Dan himself has also been vegan for over five decades. So Dan is going to be bringing us the long view here. And that's going to be really something we're going to try and dig down on a little bit. So let's just start off by saying hello. So Louisiana, uh, just give me a, a quick 60-second introduction of who the Vegan Society are and what your role is there as an insight and commercial policy officer. 
Um, yes, so very broadly, the Vegan Society, it was established 75 years ago in 1944. And I think what a lot of people may not know is that our founders actually created and defined the word vegan um, all those years ago. So at the core, we are an educational charity. We promote and also protect uh, vegan lifestyles. We do this through many different ways, this through um, campaign and policy work, nutrition outreach, public research, legal rights, and also with our volunteer network. So we do um, encompass a lot of areas. We've also got the vegan trademark, which I can see right behind your shoulder on the uh, Promote Vegan sign. Um, and this is a trademark scheme. It's been running for 30 years and it's recently come out as the most trusted and recognized vegan trademark in the UK. They trademark everything, food, cosmetics, even yoga mats, honestly, anything you can think of. And my role at society is I lead on policy issues which affect vegan businesses or our trademark clients. Most recently, this has been um, the debate around the meaty language for vegan and vegetarian products. And I also provide kind of data-led insights to the vegan market. And this can either be quite a general thing or they could be um, specific to, to business needs. So yeah, lots of different things. That's absolutely fantastic. And I'm so, so glad to have a Vegan Society on board today. Now, Dan, 1944, the Vegan Society started. Can you, can you beat that? Just not long ago. <laughs> uh, I, I personally came to veganism in 1968, age 16. Wow. However, I came to alternative stores just over four years ago as a customer. Uh, with a company that had been going since around about 2008. It was started by a couple that were looking for footwear for vegans mm -hmm. and especially for children. And they opened up Alternative Souls, which then became Alternative Stores because people wanted a little bit more. And uh, now we specialize online and offline in footwear and all the products that are on our website. Um, Four years, uh, during those four years, a lot of people have seen me at vegan festivals and fairs that I've traveled to many of the weekends, um, including VegFest. Um, and unfortunately, we're not there at the moment, but we have a shop that people can come into. We have an online service and alternative stores uh, welcome so many people through its stores, especially people that are on journeys up to Northumberland. Mm. They come along and visit us on their holiday time. That is absolutely fantastic, Dan, and, that, and I know we'll be sending some people through to your website at the, at the end of the seminar as well. Um, so uh, just to give myself an introduction as well, so my name's David Pennell, and I do run uh, Promote Vegan. We work mainly with um, high street brands and large food companies to help them better embrace the vegan marketplace, and that might be helping them understand what the vegan consumers want um, and how to better connect with them, um, but also to help their internal change management as well to move over to vegan offerings. When you're working with some large food companies, some Sometimes they have a little bit of a resistance to embrace plant-based and move into veganism. Um, we also, as, as Louisiana was mentioned, we're also the UK agent for the Vegan Society's uh, Vegan Trademark Scheme as well, which is fantastic, helping more companies get registered for that. And myself and my partner, uh, Lisa, we also run Vegan Business Tribe, which is this one here. Uh, and that's where we help smaller vegan businesses with help uh, and an advice in, in, in a collective way. Um, okay, so uh, I mean, I'll start with yourself, Louisiana. So we, we've seen uh, a huge rise, you know, in veganism. 
and I quite often um, use the vegan society statistics when I'm, when I'm talking about the rise of veganism anyway. So, you know, the number of vegans in Great Britain, I think it, it quadrupled between you know, 2014 and 2019. And we're now looking at over 1% of the population. So that's about you know, 600,000 people in the UK alone who identify, that, identify themselves as vegan. So uh, what's behind this? You know, as our insight officer, what's, what's fueled the boom in the last couple of years in the vegan marketplace? Um, in, in my personal opinion, I think the environmental aspect has suddenly come very much into the spotlight. Um, so that kind of started to be spoken about, I would say about five or six years ago when there was a lot of published research came out about the effect of animal agriculture on the environment. And I think that that has become one of possibly the number one reason, um, followed by health and then animals in a lot of the studies that I see. There was also documentaries such as Cowspiracy. I think that resonated with yes. a lot of people. Yep, yep. Um, we've got vegan activists on social media, which are very much um, in tune with the younger generation and much more accessible and all, all different kinds of people as well. I think we're kind of exposed to vegan people in many types of media and it's making people realize that there's not just, it's not just one type of person. And also there's nothing to be worried about or scared about. The, the information is out there. You just kind of have to look for it. Um, I think we're very much still in the middle of the boom. I often see 2019 as being called the, the year of the vegan, but actually it, I think it's, it's become even bigger since 2019, very much um, becoming more mainstream, more high street retailers kind of getting their hands on it, becoming cheaper and just being in places where it wasn't before. So even places such as vegan investment um, and yeah. in the legal sphere as well. So we had a, a case in January where veganism was recognized as a um, ethical belief. So it's it's kind of started as a as a environmental um thing which people have noticed and now suddenly it's becoming even even more different things which perhaps people didn't realize that it was involved with as well so yeah definitely even more exciting in 2020 than it's ever been before and obviously i hope this trend will continue uh, for years to come yeah absolutely i mean the january this year 2020 i think there's like four 400,000 people signed up to it you know that's absolutely massive and when you see the stats coming about you know about veganism at the moment you know even 10% of children don't now eat meat you know which is a real you know great sign for the future and a great sign you know for, for vegan products and, and vegan product trends in the future as well so Dan why are so many people looking at veganism at the moment? Well they're looking for health they're looking because of climate change they're looking because of animal welfare, which has been all to the fore, especially with a lot of the films that are now available. Yes. Um, that's what's driving people to embrace a plant-based lifestyle. Things have changed a lot, though, over the last five decades. Um, when I started, you could go out for a vegan meal and it would be rice and vegetables. You could do it with a couple of tins and a packet of rice. Um, you'd go to a big supermarket, not a supermarket, a big store like Phoenix. You've got one in London, you've got one in Newcastle. Get a salad sandwich and it would have a slice of ham in it. Um, salad itself was lettuce, tomato, cucumber and cress. And nothing else would ever be put on a plate. There's so many different things. But um, overall, I, I think that health um, has come to the, to the forefront. Um, we all want to live a happier and healthier life. We are looking at what we're eating. Um, animal welfare is certainly up there. We do hear it in the news so much. 
and climate change you can't get away from climate change mm-hmm. up with the rebellions all over and we all know that there's a big link between our lifestyle and climate change absolutely and i think when you've got so many high profile vegans at the moment you know these celebrities they've got huge platforms and they're talking about it from every single different you know area you've got people like you know lewis hamilton who is very much talking about you know performance and how that helps him think quicker even you know you've got joaquin phoenix who is very much about the animal welfare welfare but even you know pop stars like Billie eilish they're talking to such a huge range of people now and i think that combined with being vegan is now easier than ever. You know, just as you were saying, I can go to any, you know, almost any high food restaurant and find a good, uh, sorry, a high street restaurant and find a good vegan option. It's not always a, a healthy vegan option, but I can at least order one. I can at least find one. And it's got cheaper as well. You know, a lot of people talk about how much, you know, uh, the, the top brand plant milk is. You could be paying a, a couple of pounds a carton, but you can also pick up Aldi soy milk, you know, for 59 pence a litre. So it doesn't really get any cheaper than that. And, and something that uh, Louisiana mentioned a moment ago was the pandemic as well. Now, I know that the Vegan Society have done quite a lot of research into this because the recent pandemic really has led people to question our relationships with animals a bit more. Well, the pandemic's had a a big impact on veganism because there's so many people spending much more time at home. And because of that, they're more likely to be cooking. So the home cooking revolution has happened in a way that hasn't been seen. Um, There's an increase in demand for organic grains and seeds, nuts and flakes. People are coming into the shop and stocking up to an extent that they've never purchased before. But they're also coming back for more, which means they're not only just putting it in the larder, they're actually cooking with it. Um, Different types of vegan bacon, brownie cakes, mixers, um, lots of home baking and home cooking is taking place. Uh, People have looked at their own immune systems during this pandemic as well and they're rather concerned and they're looking more closely at their food intake Mm. and the whole of the the vegan movement is benefiting from that uh, insight that people want into their bodies. Yeah, absolutely. And Louisiana, I mentioned the Vegan Society's research into this because I know, I think it showed something like one in five UK customers had cut down on on their, at least their meat consumption during the pandemic. Yes, it was one in five um, for meat and 15%, so I believe that's one in eight. Um, something like that in in uh, dairy and eggs and I think I think people there was a a reason you know a variety of reasons so whether things weren't accessible whether they were doing it for environmental reasons etc I think it's also worth remembering I think people were questioning why the pandemic has happened and Mm. that you haven't really been able to get away from well the supposed reason is that it's come from an animal marketplace um, there's still a massive psychological barriers for people because it's not in the same country as here. So maybe they can kind of forget about it. But I think it's only a matter of time before people start to really equate that similar things are happening all over the world. And actually, why are these things happening? And can can I not be a part of that? Can I remove myself from that? Can I, can I go vegan? Um, and it's easier than ever to do so. So I think the ways that people have cut down on certain food products, I think we'll see a big shift continuing, um, again, for a multitude of reasons. And I think it will be interesting to see how different people's um, attitudes change as well. So that will be research that we'll continue to do um, as different things change. And yeah, it will be on our website published within the next few months.
Absolutely. And, and I've, I think I've seen a, a preview of some of that. And I think that only 40% said that they were more interested in veganism because of scarcity. They couldn't get hold of the products that they were already having. So it was the vast majority who wasn't just saying because I, I couldn't get hold of what I used to have. Yes, and the majority it was it's for um, health, environmental and animal rights reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is fantastic. So one thing I think it's worth now talking about is who a typical vegan consumer is now because i think if i'd have said you know just five years ago draw me a picture of a vegan it wouldn't have you know, i could have guessed what what they'd have drawn I'm, I'm sure some sandals would have been involved there somewhere along the way um, but now we need to smash those stereotypes a, a, a little bit um, if we're doing research online and we're looking through various vegan facebook groups i'm just as likely to see a post from say a uh, a vegan um, builder or someone like that who is complaining about that his lads are stealing all his all his oatly and his plant milk you know we really have to smash those stereotypes so uh, dan tell tell me now uh, have you seen a change in who vegan consumers are over the last few years there is no longer a typical vegan consumer exactly yes <laughs> they, they've gone um people you've known for years just happen now to be not only aware of veganism but you'll speak to somebody and they'll say, oh, I've got a friend, uh, they've gone vegan a couple of years ago. And, uh, I've got some relatives and th their child's vegan and they've taken the family with them. Uh, there isn't a typical vegan customer anymore. Um, that's a simple answer. Yeah, that's and it. I think th this is something that um, I think, especially food companies as well, really have to link into that, you know, it's quite often mixed households. So, you know, it's not just the young people who are engaging. They are, as, as you just said, Dan, they're bringing their families with them. And it's just as likely to be, you know, the middle-aged couple who are battling high cholesterol or something like that, who are looking at moving plant-based. And I think it's also this rise in non-vegan plant-based customers as well. So, you know, a lot of people are buying plant-based products without actually associating with vegans, uh, veganism themselves. Is that something you're seeing as well, Dan? We are indeed. Uh, yes, it, it, is, it is true. Um, you see that the plant-based customer, as you say, is not necessarily vegan or vegetarian, mm. but is looking at the whole range of foods that they're partaking in. And they'll just as easily pop into a shop like ours or order online um, without feeling anything against us because we have the label vegan. Mm. Uh, that's, that's irrelevant. Um, but um, we've often seen a, a child come in with their family and later on we've heard that the family have followed the child's lead so there's another couple that wouldn't be typical vegan customers but they've watched what their younger people in the family not necessarily a, a 10 year old but even a, a 16 or a 20 year old and the, the parents and the relatives are taking notice of those changes yeah and i think a lot of the time it is a journey isn't it you know people have got so many different entry points to veganism and this is something a lot of companies don't haven't quite latched onto yet um you know a lot of people will see people like arnold schwarzenegger go plant-based or you know venus williams you know these, these high performance athletes and then the, 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 it becomes a rabbit hole you know they'll be online looking just for some some vegan cooking recipes and, and influencers such as earthling eddie or joey carbstone that they're kind of waiting there to hijack them a little bit Louisiana, what I want to just move on to a little bit is what actually, you know, vegans are looking for now. Now, I know you're not from the trademark team yourself with, with, with the Vegan Society, but the Vegan Society are putting so many, um, uh, so many products at the moment through 
trademark registration. It's it's year on year. Uh, you're having to bring more people into your trademark team, and it's an absolutely fantastic stage. So, what 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 do you think that vegans are wanting at the moment? Um, in terms of the recent trademark registrations, I think if we're looking at broadly, so not just within food, I know food gets brought up quite a lot. Um, it's cosmetics, without a doubt, we, we're, that's the biggest increase in our, the things that we're trademarking. Cosmetics aren't really as tied to emotions as food are, whether or, or are certainly nowhere near. Um, you know, food is all about who we, our personal identity is, like our, our cultural heritage. So it's, mm. it's trickier to change food habits, but things like cosmetics, when you learn about animal ingredients in cosmetics, I think the average person will not want that and not like that. So I think the whole cosmetics industry is really moving towards the, the completely vegan route, even as a super drug the other day, and just you just see vegan everywhere. And it's just, it's so great to see. Um, for food wise, I know that we've seen a lot of um, trademark registrations for like celebration uh, bakery. So a lot of birthday cakes and things. And I think that's, um, so Bosch have just released theirs and Oggs as well. They're two really, their branding is just perfect and it really stands out. And I think there's still so much room in that category because I think bakery has been a little bit left behind for us, um, particularly sweet bakery. So I think that area can still be, there's a lot of innovation left to happen in that area. Um, and, and that's really yeah, interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of the people who are buying those products might not actually consider themselves to be vegan themselves. They could be buying it for a vegan family member or a vegan friend. Certainly. And with, you know, celebration cakes, if, if you're vegan or if your friend's vegan, you're sharing that. You're sharing that product with other people. And hopefully, you know, it might even start a conversation between other people. So it's, it's really it's a nice kind of positive product, which, yeah, which can might be a conversation starting point. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing more cakes always <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> yeah. what, what about yourselves dan what what are the hot products you're seeing selling at the moment well our best-selling product has always been sosmix now sosmix is a powdered sausage mix which has been now going for almost four decades itself uh, it amazes us how people get in touch and say i haven't seen it on the shop shelves for 10 15 years and I love it, and we still have the original recipe. Uh, people can use it to make their own flavoured sausages. You can add whatever flavourings you want. You can create yourself, and with this uh, increase in home cooking, uh, Sosmix has never been so popular. Um, we were featured in um, the national newspaper um, not so long ago, and it produced a thousand new customers wow. that hadn't seen that hadn't seen Sosmix for years um people are still coming across us um but it's it's the most popular thing that we've had in the shop forever i mean to us it's like a banana or a cucumber is to a supermarket it's so, our so best I, seller yeah i mean that's bringing together two huge trends there as well isn't it so it's not just meat replacement or alt meat as it's been called at the moment but it's also this move towards home cooking and home baking as well yes um as well as that the other thing that's taken off is vegan cheeses. You've got uh, Vi Life's Epic Mature and V Bites Applewood. And as soon as we get them in, they're selling. We can't get enough in to keep up with demand some weeks. Um, no matter how much we order, it just keeps flying out. So um, the, the last sort of four months has seen all lines increased. 
I mean, we went from 12 online orders a day to eight to 75 online orders a day when the pandemic wow. hit. Um, and the fish steaks or the fishless steaks, the hot dogs or the no dog hot dogs or whatever, uh, the duck pieces, um, the Clive's pies, um, people are looking um, for these alternatives. So all those products and more are, are hot at the moment. Uh, there isn't really anything <laughs> that's not selling too well. And, and that's great to hear. And, and what I'm hearing there is there's a lot of like for like products. So products that are aimed at, you know, early vegan converts or people who are just approaching plant based, but something you know, already very familiar to them. And, and we're seeing that, you know, huge in the marketplace at the moment that many brands are, they're, they're veganizing their products, you know. So you mentioned the Applewood, you know, the, the uh, vegan cheese and we've seen the vegan galaxy selling at three pound a bar and, and completely selling out across the country. So um, I think if I just went back, even a few years ago, if you went to a supermarket, you'd be lucky to find something which you call a, a vegan burger or a meat replacement. But now you might find five. Yes, uh, the supermarkets do have a, a few. Uh, your vegan shops, your independent vegan shops have more. And they're the ones that at the moment could do with some support from the mm. vegans that are looking for somewhere to buy those sorts of products. Absolutely. We could completely echo that, can't we? Um, so, uh, Louisiana, we, we've mentioned um, how you want to see more more cakes coming along in the vegan world, and I'm, I'm not going to let, let you forget that for a long time. Um, <laughs> but, but we're also seeing some really innovative products where people are coming up with vegan things, which we thought we just couldn't get anymore. So Mummy Meigs is one of my favorites. You know, they came up with the, the Chucky egg, which was a vegan cream egg, you know, which is an absolutely amazing product. Um, there's the, the Roundup by Ananda Foods as well, which is a, a vegan wagon wheel. So I think we're going to be seeing more of these kind of, you know, like for like products that we just thought we couldn't get anymore as vegans. Yeah, certainly. And I think um, as well, more diversification of ingredients is something we're going to be seeing a lot more of in the future. There's been a shift away from soya protein. Um, pea protein is something which I think is going to become much bigger than the coming years. So Meatless Farms swapped that in May. They swapped their soya to pea. It shortens supply chain as well. We can grow peas in the UK um, and in the plant milk sector as well. So historically, soya and almond have been the favourites by far. Um, and now it's, it's oat milk, pea milk as well. People think pea milk is not going to be nice. It is so yeah. nice. It's so sweet. I think it's the best swap. Um, and hemp, hemp milk. So oat, hemp and pea can all be grown in the UK. That makes it cheaper. It makes it, you know, less air miles. So I think more diversification in sectors which we even think have enough products that we can still go so much further. And it makes it cheaper. And yeah, loads of different flavors. It's There will be something for everyone. Um, there's just going to be a little bit more research and development and a bit more innovation. And eventually we, we really will have something for everyone if we're not already there um, already. That, that, that's really interesting because when you're looking at you know product saturation at the moment which we we are starting to see in some categories you look at someone like Oatly you know they've had a recent you know two billion dollar valuation which is absolutely stunning um, but your comment there about about you know using pea for making pea milk you really have to have the USP now to stand out in something like like the plant milk marketplace because uh, as I'm sure Dan can fill us in you know this is something where there's been a lot of companies who have been very active for a long time but they're seeing people like Oatly making such a, a great go of it at the moment and they're trying to bring out their own products to match. If I can come back to cheese we, we've got local cheese here called Tyne cheese 
which is so simple in its ingredients and it, it's so nice. Um, there's other companies producing artisan cheeses. We don't have to go for the, the bigger companies. We do sell them all. Get, make no mistake about it. You know, we do have that stock available. But the smaller companies are still there and need to be looked for and supported. As again, the independents and the, the smaller companies are certainly making their presence felt. But all these convenience foods are in great demand as a substitute. And they're especially helping the families that have got one or two vegan members in them, especially if they're trying to convert a, a family meal or uh, allow somebody to be still part of a family meal when the family hasn't changed yet. And yeah. yet is the operative word, isn't it? Because it, it's a movement that is moving on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a very important point to make, you know, when all these large brand brands are bringing out their, their vegan products, because consumers want brands to transition with them, you know, they want to keep buying what they've grown up with and what they're familiar with. But it does tend to squeeze out some of those smaller vegan brands. But I, I'm guessing one of the great things that we're all now, you know, buying online is you can go hunt down those brands. Um, but th those brands really have to give a USP, they have to have something different. So I know when I was talking to you know, the vegan kind supermarket, uh, Jenna, who's their head buyer there um, i know that they're not looking for another vegan snack bar <laughs> they've got plenty there you'd have to have something really stand out to, to to carve a corner in that marketplace definitely but one of the questions later on in this discussion is what do we think is going to come next exactly so we'll yes. save that for then so I've left you on a little bit of a cliffhanger there with Dan's closing comments, but there were some really amazing insights in this first half, all about what's driving that rise in veganism and that demand for vegan and plant-based products. And especially take note of Dan's comments that there is no longer a typical vegan customer. And that's something that you really need to understand and cater for with your business. Now, we're only halfway through, so join us for part two in the next episode where we'll continue this discussion and we'll look at what the next big thing is going to be for vegan products and services. But just before you go, please do subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen on. And also, if you want to find more amazing content just like this, then head over to veganbusinesstribe.com, which is where you can also join our online event so you can study our vegan marketing course or just get some support from Lisa and myself to help build your vegan business. So thank you so much for your time and I'll see you again for part two in the next episode.